Welcome to Necessity. You girl, Lindsay Jackson here. And I'm Marguerite. And we have someone so dope here with us today because we're going to really get into details about mental health. You know, that friend that you always be like, oh, that's my crazy friend, right? We used to make fun back then, right? I think that it's kind of funny to say, oh, yeah, she never, something, she not wrapped too tight, you know? Or what were some of those sayings? Uh, Don't have all your marbles. Right. Not all the lights are on. You got to screw loose. Back in the day, that was funny, but we never really knew what was going on with that person. And I have an amazing friend. Her name is Crystal. And she is a certified mental health first aid instructor. And she is here today to talk to us about the necessity of being aware of mental health. So welcome, Crystal. Thank you. Thank you for being our first guest, Crystal. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. you. So, Crystal, how are you feeling? I feel great. Great, great. great. We're excited to have you here today. So talk to us first. You're a mental health first aid instructor. What does that mean? What are you teaching? What are you out there telling people? So, um, yes, I'm a dual instructor, a mental health first aid instructor. Um, I teach both adults and youth. And uh, my youth course is for um, adults who support young people um, in whatever that looks like. That can be teachers, administrators, parents as well. Um, Mental health first aid is a, a course that you would take. And it helps you um, see the signs and symptoms of someone struggling with a mental health challenge or a substance abuse challenge. So I would see that within myself or I would see that in somebody else from your class? Both. I mean, there has been people who have taken a class that after taking it, recognized that they themselves were struggling with a mental health challenge. Mm -hmm. um, And then they did the appropriate things to get the help they needed. Or you can start to see those and or you can start to see those signs and symptoms in somebody else to notice it. Yeah. So what does mental health really mean, though? Like there's this big, you know, trend right now, mental health awareness. We have a whole mental health awareness month. You see on social media, people making posts about it. But what is it? Is there a true definition for that? How do you define that even in your courses? Well, there is a true definition, but I like I feel like I like to say it like this. Um, mental health is a spectrum. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times when you hear that word, initially, you always think of illness mm. or sickness or problem, right? But it's a spectrum. It goes from well to recovery. So in my course, we focus on in the middle of that spectrum, becoming unwell until recovery. Okay. So it's it depends. Um, you know, there's definitely or we've heard of depression and anxiety and um, schizophrenia and um, bipolar bipolar disorder we've heard of those things and it's just learning the signs and symptoms of how to recognize when that's happening uh, because what i do um i don't diagnose i'm not a doctor right um when you leave the class you're not able to diagnose anyone however you are able to recognize those signs and symptoms and know the appropriate things to do and actions to take to be able to do that all right so i think that's what we want to get into right yeah. like how do you know I have a friend or I have a family member and things are a little off. What are some things that I should be looking for, I guess, in that person to say, hey, they might need a little more support or they may need to go see someone or, you know, whatever the direction may be? Well, um, to be able to see that, you would have to know the person. Um, 
if it's somebody that you're intimate with. I use a I use a simple definition. It's when it starts to affect your ability to live, love, laugh, and learn. Mm. When those things are being um, affected, then you should think something isn't right, or maybe this person needs additional help. Um, what does that look like? Maybe they're sleeping a lot, or they're eating a lot, or too little, not eating at all. Right. Um, the things that they used to love, they're not enjoying them anymore. They're um, you know, maybe fatigue or frustrated, irritable, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then you may see some manic signs and then a high, very high energy and then no energy at all. Right. So it really depends on what we're looking at. And you should, it's not just one thing, right? If somebody's tired, that's not, oh, they have a mess. Right. right. That's not it. But it's seeing a couple of signs together to say, okay, this is, this is a, something to be concerned about so putting together a pattern possibly like what i'm what i'm hearing you say like those are those sound like really obvious things to be able to identify in yourself or someone else however like what about things that may be easily overlooked right we hear about like stories all the time like especially um, when unfortunately someone takes their own life, right? And then you hear the people around them say, well, I never knew that so-and-so was struggling or they seemed happy all the time. Like they got a great job. They have a wonderful family and everything looks great from the outside, but inside they're really struggling. So how, and I think like in today's society, we're, we're encouraged to make everything look perfect, mm-hmm. right? And cover up what's not so great. So what are some of the more uh, granular details or things that we could identify in ourselves and others that might indicate some type of mental health challenge? So you mentioned um, death by suicide, right? Mm-hmm. And if you are someone who is living after someone does that, if you were to take a class or speak with a professional and they go through, you know, the signs, you will say they were there. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, um, and I believe it's just because of a lack of knowledge mm-hmm. that um, someone may say, oh, I didn't know. Uh, but however, when you, if you, there have been people that have taken a class and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. like I can see, right. I understand. I just didn't know what the signs and symptoms were. Right. right. Um, so those things, the same thing, the mm-hmm. same thing, um, maybe being very isolated, uh, being tired, like I said, not eating, eating a lot. It's just when patterns start to change, maybe they start to hang out with a totally different group. Um, they may be doing things that are dangerous, right, and harmful to them. So there's other things that you can look for, but it's it's once you know the signs and symptoms, you're able to say this is this person may be experiencing a mental health challenge or a substance abuse issue. It's so crazy, right? Because I'm I'm even thinking about <clears throat> excuse me, people 
that we may even call our friends and we're saying isolation, right? So it's just like, oh, they're keeping to themselves. I mean, I have a friend that if I don't hear from them, it's because I know that they're going through something because they choose isolation. Mm -hmm. So I can choose to show up as that person that's going to say, hey, let me reach out and check in or just say, oh, they just need their space. They'll get through it just like they did the last time, right? And that's not necessarily a guarantee. So you said something earlier about it's really important that you know the person because sometimes we can identify things on people that we don't even really know or have spent much time with. We might have spent a day with them and we're like, oh, this person and start to judge them and, and label them. But really spending quality time with a friend and seeing those patterns and knowing this is not a part of their normal behavior, something there's a shift and it's important that we pay attention to those shifts and not just call it something else, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Oh, they just need that me time, you know? Oh, she don't never want to go out anymore, right? And it's important to ask, like, you know, friend, last year you were experiencing this and this is how you responded to this last year and you became very, you became unwell last year. Do you know when you are becoming unwell? Mm -hmm. Yes, what does that look like? Well, when I'm becoming unwell, I don't want to go outside. I don't want to do these things. I'm going into late to work. I'm not dressing up like I used to. Okay. So she knows, some people know when they're becoming unwell. When you are becoming unwell, what can I do to support you in that? How, what do you want me to do when you're getting to that place? Okay, thank you for asking. This is what I would like for you to do. Can you call my mom? Because sometimes when I talk to her, she always makes me feel better. Or just send me really inspiring songs every day. That's what I like. Any of those things, though, I would always suggest ask permission for. Right. Because don't just do it. One of the most annoying things for me with somebody who has struggled with mental illness is when people just send me stuff that I didn't ask for. Mm -hmm. I don't want to see your memes. I don't want to see your, hear your podcast recommendation. I don't want to hear these songs. I didn't ask for it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, and I've learned this from having conversations with multiple people who struggle with uh, mental health, is it doesn't make me feel good. Mm -hmm. So to you, you may think, hey, this is a good song, or we just, we just got off the phone and you were talking about depression and I'm going to send her this meme or this quote that I saw. It's not helpful. Right. It's not part of your process. That's not part of my process. So asking someone, how do I show up for you is just as effective or is more effective than just doing. showing up, just doing your own thing mm -hmm. and thinking it's going to be helpful. Because in a way, that's kind of selfish, right? Because it's just saying, hey, I want to do this thing for you. But what's the beginning of that? I mm -hmm. want to do something mm -hmm. for, for you. you. Right. Not even being mindful of how you want it. Yeah. Right. So it's almost just. Because you want to get it done. You want yeah. to say that you showed up. But with authenticity, you are also asking me how I need you to show up. Yeah. And therefore, you'll do it in that way. Not just because, hey, look what I did for Crystal. She said she was going through something. Right. I sent her all these quotes. Crystal didn't even want that shit. No, right. none of it. Right. You know, it's it's very frustrating. And you could simply ask, what does that look like? What is our... There's this thing that you can Google. It's called rap on... Um, on Google. Is that W-R-A-P? W-R-A-P. Okay. And it's, it's a rap wellness plan. So what is that? It's when you know someone who has struggled with mental illness in the past and you can ask them these questions like, hey, I would love to be your support. This is what I'm, you know, 
And the same questions that I just asked, do you know when you're becoming unwell, what would you like for me to do? Find someone who's a trusted friend that you can have that support with and you come up with a plan because you don't have to do it alone. Um, So come up with that plan and then you guys work through that together. You said something key there. You don't have to do it alone. Mm -hmm. And I think that we as people of color, Mm -hmm. we as women, we're most taught and trained to do it on our own. And And be strong. Right. And now we have that quote or that thing going around now, check on your strong friend. Right. right? Because that wasn't always something Mm -hmm. to check on your strong friend. Mm -hmm. Um, But just forgetting all about that friend piece of it. Right. But really just saying that we as people of color feel like, you know, sometimes we have to do it alone. Just as we talk about this, where do where does you think that really comes from? You know, when we even think about mental health, I think about religion and it's like, okay, if I'm going to do it alone, I might be doing it with me and my God. You know, I'm going to work through it. I even think of the history of mental illness and that in many cultures you would hide or send away the person who was challenging. Mm -hmm. Right. They were just different. And I'm not even talking about deformities or, you know, needing a wheelchair or anything like that. I'm talking about one who was not well in the mind and didn't fit into the normalities of what was happening in that time, right? And you would send that person away because they were different. It's a very scary experience. I mean, doing life with someone with a mental health challenge is very hard. Especially when you don't know, you don't have the tools to respond to it. Yeah, I mean, even, but I, even if you, that's the interesting part, that even if you do have the tools, it's It's still still challenging. It's like, You know, it's a lot of work. It takes a lot of patience. And I think in the culture where there are better things to be done, dedicating your time and committing to something like that is something that people don't just traditionally do. You have to practice that. Mm -hmm. You have to practice showing up for somebody with a mental health challenge. Like, you will get frustrated. And I'm not sure where, you know, the whole check on the strong friend thing you making a face. What's that yeah. face? You, you rolling you your like eyes. Like, no. You think it's ridiculous? I think it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Talk to us about that. Why is it ridiculous? Because didn't it like, come out because of Girls Trip? Remember, like Girls Trip came out. Mm-hmm. It, it was already being said, but Girls Trip came out. Mm-hmm. And this woman was very successful, but going through some stuff with her cheating husband. Right. right. Cheating ass husband. She yeah. was dirty. And, yeah. so, and so then they're like, oh, check on your strong friend. You never know what was... You never know what people are going through. Yeah. Okay. So is that not true? But it's true. It's it's a valid or are you saying or, hey you need to be checking on all, all friends. your friends check right. on all your friends right right check okay. on all your friends because the problem is that's what starts to happen now if we that's what starts to happen there we go we start to check on only certain people certain that we think people. need to check in right that don't. Yes, maybe, hey, I'm going to check on you because you're not typically like this. Mm-hmm. Okay. But what about the person that you've known that always struggled with depression? You checking on her? Or right. did you grow tired of that? Right. Or did you just chalk it up to say she's depressed yes, and right. so she don't need my check-in? Right. Just like you said earlier when you were describing your friend that needs space and you're just like, okay, well, right. she, I'm going to give her her She'll space call me and when not she's do ready. anything different. Right. But here's the thing that, which is unfair, right? Because- it's been proven that people who struggle with mental health challenges die 15 to 30 years before mm-hmm. people without it. Right. What happens is, is that you would go to the doctor and 
they would oftentimes dismiss whatever physical pain you are having because of your um, and mental illness. Mm. So if you're saying that you have headaches or things like that, they wouldn't necessarily um, order those specific tests for that because right. they assume that it had something to do with your mental illness. And too often we do that even in our own world here mm-hmm. where it's just like, I don't need to check on you. You always that. Right. Mm. I don't you if you just don't do that anymore, you won't be sad anymore. Like we have all these quick fixes for people. Right. And so when I think about why people do it alone, I really don't necessarily. I can't agree with the fact that because we're supposed to be strong, I think it's we're scared. Yeah. And I think to the to the fear part, I think there is definitely some validity there, especially with people of color and the mistrust for medical professionals. Um, like I think of like the Tuskegee Airmen right, right. experiment. There's this whole thing with um, involuntary, involuntary um, sterilization of, you know, people of color, like uh, Hispanics and, um, you know, the black community in California in the, the 20th century. So there are, you know, there are a lot of things. And if you just Google, you'll probably find a whole bunch of other things where you can kind of understand, well, it's like, I don't want anybody messing with my head. Right. Yeah. But I'm not really that concerned about the doctors. Mm. Like, I don't mind people that I don't know showing my pain and deciding not to love me. It's, it's the, the people, people that you I, know. The people you trust to even be vulnerable with. and then To be vulnerable enough that. to say, hey, this is what pains me. This is what hurts me. And for you to feel as if I'm a burden. So I think that it's more about, not about necessarily I'm too strong because I will be, I'm totally fine being vulnerable. It's not that. It's the, it's the fear that people don't know how to respond to it. Or they get tired of it. Well, and, is, it, is it like fear of the unknown, though? Because what what is the expectation if if I don't if not if I'm not prepared to help or understand what someone is going through, then then where does that leave us, or where does that leave us as a community? Because I think a lot of times. Yeah, it is extra challenging when you don't know something, right? And it's a it's a heavier lift when you don't know how to support someone or you don't even realize that they need support. And so you just write them off like we were just talking about all those other examples. Um so where where do we start as a community to increase the the education like the, the classes that, that you teach, where are they? Like, what are some of the resources where we can really get this information out to the masses? Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Where do you start? You take a class, right? Mm-hmm. I think me personally, I joke, but I'm also very serious when I say that my taking a class, a mental health first aid class is saying I love you. Mm. Because it's being it's it's an eight hour course. It's not easy. It's not it's not like oh I'm gonna take this thirty minute thing. It's eight hours, and if I sit here for eight hours because I want to get to know you better, mm. so that I can serve and support you, I'm saying that I love you, right? Because my time is That's valuable. Yeah. yeah, and so taking those classes. The reason why I teach um, the class is 
a couple of years ago, I was working and um, I had decided that I wanted to open a center for women. And I became an esthetician and I was doing that. But then I was like fired from my job through an email. I worked there for four years and I lost my job, lost my apartment, ended a relationship. And my daughter had to go stay with her dad because I didn't have anywhere to live. And so when this happened, I spiraled. And at the same time, I was doing events um, with Lindsay and we were, our events were growing and I spiraled and I wanted to kill myself. And I remember, you know, being in that computer, looking, Googling, said, okay, these pills are going to do it. And for that instant, something changed and I didn't thank God. But when I called people to tell them what happened, I called three people. One person told me, well, if you start to worry about the things that you can control, you won't feel that way. Mm -hmm. Another person told me to just pray about it. The other one who was trained and a social worker told me to go to the emergency room. Mm -hmm. I did not go to the emergency room at the time, but a month later, I still was start. I didn't, I didn't plan anymore, but I was waking up wishing that I didn't. And then it got really bad. So I did go to the emergency room on, in October, the beginning of October. And I was, encouraged to go stay at the psychiatric hospital. And I did. And it was a very challenging and life-changing experience for me. And But the thing was that I spoke to three different people and only one who was trained Dream. and certified right. told me what to do. Because otherwise, I would have tried to figure it out. And sometimes I think that we, we can assume that we're stronger than the disease. Mm. And we're not. And you can't save me. I honestly have that power to save myself by making decisions to that will better yourself, right? To better that process, yeah, to better my journey. But it's 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 challenging. And so where can the community step in? One, we have to change our language. That's a lot of things we 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 I talk about that a lot in class. Change your language. We use words like I'll ask you guys, if somebody had if it, you had started to talk about it, somebody had a mental health challenge or seemed off, as you guys say, what would you what would you call that? Say that again. If somebody had was off, if with a mental health challenge, what are words that we use to describe somebody in our society, in our community? What are words do we use? Yeah, like right off. now, he's not right. Uh, She's not right. Uh, see, I say that person's not well. Okay, you say it now. Right. Right. Yeah. Without the education. Right. It was right. The things that I had mentioned earlier were things that like, you know, their the light bulb, the light bulb is not on, right? Mm-hmm. They're not screwed too tight. Um, a screw is loose. Right. Uh they're crazy. We had the little cray cray. Right. You know, that and what would stuff. you call someone who had cancer? Oh my. Yeah, it's it's different language. Totally different. Totally Survivor, different. fighter, Survivor. brave. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Our language is different. And so the the community in a whole has to start changing how we describe our friends and family who become who have become unwell. Right. Because it's not it's it's not helpful. Right. It's stigmatized like, it's, with a and negative it stays stigma. There. It stays there because we and it and it starts by changing the language, watching what you say. I say things like unwell or you know, she struggles with alcohol or I don't call anybody an alcoholic. They right, struggle right. with alcohol. Um, 
he has schizophrenia. He's not schizophrenic. Once you start removing the title from the person, it's still able to be. Mm-hmm. But when we don't do that, we're just continuing that same stigma that has been so long. Right. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, just maintaining people's humanity, right? Like without without them becoming whatever I'm not label, the disease, right, right? Exactly. You're you're not the disease, exactly. right? And in in my line of work, where we work with young people who are on the autism spectrum, right? We don't say that this kid has spec uh, autism, right? The child is on the autism spectrum, spectrum right? right? And then we even have this saying: "It's like don't diss my ability, right? Mm-hmm. Because I have all these abilities." It's not a disability, you know? Um, so it is really important to change the language because people also behave in the way that we talk about them and talk with them and talk to them. So right. if I'm constantly speaking with you and I'm only focusing on your mental health and I'm only focusing on your breakdowns, then every time we connect, that's what you anticipate and that's maybe where you might even go. Yeah. Right. right? But I think that's what everything, like yep. if I saw you as a liar. Right. Every time you speak, I'm lying. You are lying to me, right? right? You're going to question it, right? You're going to question it. So changing, like you said, how we see the people who struggle with mental health. One of the most heartbreaking experiences that I had. I work in supportive housing, and I support people with psychiatric disabilities. And I'm so honored to be able to do that work. And um, one of the things that was really disappointing to me, and and it just changed the way that I spoke about people and to them is when one of um, the tenants came in crying, you know, about the fear that they have when they have to step outside because of how we look at people mm-hmm. and the things that we say. We don't, uh, New Yorkers don't hold their tongue much and they say some hurtful things to people and not considering the fact that these people are brave, right? To go out knowing that you may hear voices and you have to distinguish between which voice it mm-hmm. is so brave. Mm-hmm. And it takes a lot of courage to continue to show up in this world with those challenges. But we don't call them those things. But the minute that I started to see them as brave, my language started. My language and my actions began to change as well and continue to do so. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, no, I think... No, I think that's a really wonderful insight. And I was just thinking about um, something you were saying earlier when you were talking about like your own journey that I wanted um, to spend a little time on. You said you called three people. Mm-hmm. And the second person that you called suggested you just pray about what you're going through. And I think um, as people of, of color and our communities strong ties to religion and and faith um, to cope with whatever challenge you're going through, whether it's, you know, with a romantic relationship um, or mental health concerns, we're often just told to pray about it and not necessarily seek professional help and I wanted to spend a little bit of time like time trying to understand how we can better reconcile our faith our religion and seek help simultaneously when necessary 
I think it's important to attend a church that supports and believes in the effectiveness right. of therapy. You know, um, when I was in a psychiatric hospital, my pastor came through. And I remember thinking it was Jesus himself walking through that hall. Mm. And one of the first questions he asked me, he was, he asked, are you embarrassed? I'm like, hell yeah, I'm embarrassed. Like, I'm here. He was like, would you be embarrassed if you had a tumor? And one of the things that he didn't do while he was there, he never asked to pray for me. Mm. Never. He sat there for I don't know how long, maybe an hour. He didn't say, hey, do you want to pray? Do you want to talk about God? He didn't say any of that. And I didn't think he had to. One, he knew exactly where God was. He was right there with me. And two, he understood that this is not the time. He can pray without asking for me to pray. Right. Mm-hmm. And not trying to um, belittle my experience, right, by by pushing it into a religious, spiritual thing. Um, so being in a church uh, that supports mental health is extremely important. I... You know, there's churches in Harlem where, yes, we know we believe in God. In addition to that, there are things and people who are able to support us in our wellness journey. I do believe, though, that you do have to surround yourself with leaders who feel that same way. It is extremely challenging to be in a church where you're experiencing mental health challenge and your pastor is telling you to pray about it all the time. Like, depression, be loose and all this stuff. And you're sitting there and you start to wonder like, well, what is wrong with my faith? Why am I? Nobody wakes up and says, you know what, depression? Welcome. I'm so happy you're here this morning. Anxiety. Nobody does that. The feeling is not great. So if you don't have a leader that supports where you are and that can help you and connect you to the appropriate professional help, then I don't, I think that you shouldn't be in that leadership. Right. Yeah. That's just, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a little bit of just taking more authority on your own faith too. Cause I I think sometimes um, in certain communities, like we look at the pastor or the religious leader as on a pedestal, right? Like they, they know more than we do. So if if pastor so-and-so is just telling me to pray about it, I need to do that. I need to be strong and continue on that path and on that recommendation. And, oh, I I must not be praying hard enough because I'm still experiencing X challenge. Right. Well, you know what, too? I find that when you have a leader who has not experienced a, a mental health challenge, they are not as understanding as someone who has. Because, and I mean, you can see this a lot in everyday areas too, where it's like, well, I'm over it. You should be too. God got, yeah, yeah, I'm over it. You should be too. So yeah, I struggled with depression. I thought I was going to lose my mind at one point. I'm good. I didn't have to take medication. I didn't have to do these things. So then you feel pressured to, or you may feel pressured to feel like that when that's not, not necessarily it. You know, so again, I think like, because not all black churches are like that. Right. right. There right. are some black churches that are like, you need therapy. Let's help you get there. You need medication. How much does it cost? We will support you in that. You just have to find the church that supports that part of you as well. It's really important. Yeah, no, no. Thank you for that. I think, you know, I think that's just a really important discussion to have. And I thank you for your insight. Yeah. We're complex people. We need we need God. 
We need therapists. Some may need medication. We may need yoga. And there's just so many ways to go about it. I don't think that it should be one over the other. Right. Right. And I think, you know, with the religious aspect too, I I think sometimes, um, once folks are starting to get out of that comfort zone and say, okay, yeah, well, maybe I do need a therapist and, you know, they need to be of the same religion that I'm in or, you know, believe the same, same things. And I think, I think that is important, um, just to be able to talk to someone that understands where you're coming from. Right. Cause I'm thinking about, um, the couple of times that I, um, went to therapy, um, the first time I attempted to find a woman of color therapist and I wasn't successful and it was an urgent matter. I I was the victim of an assault by like my boyfriend at the time. And, you know, I needed help. I was experiencing trauma. And so I just went to the first person that took my insurance, right? right? Because I had no time to really nitpick. Um, But I do remember how difficult it was trying to find someone who understood me because I felt like that was important in my relationship or my partnership with whoever was counseling me. Right. And so when you say even somebody who understood you, are you speaking once you see them, they understand you or that if I go see someone who's of color, they'll understand me? Yes. The The latter, latter. the latter, that there are just some things that are inherent within our community that that we all can relate to. Right. Like on, on a on a happier note, like I'm thinking about. Um, like some of the memes that were going on around the holidays, like in Thanksgiving, like Thanksgiving mm-hmm. for black people and, right. and summer and all these things that we collectively no. experience, <laughs> right, that I don't have to explain to someone that's not of our yeah. of our culture. And so I, I get it for, you know, I can use that same thought process for people who are religious and want to be able to talk to a therapist that understands their Their belief system. And you need that because that's going to give you the validation, right? And there'll also be a a, a common language, right? Right. That you'll share together. Um, And then it's able to pull from your own values and then connect that to your process and to your healing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that we have to uh, be mindful though, I think like I like the idea of having a black therapist, but they're not all good. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's and I know, you know, my friend, she found a therapist where she lives and she's white and she's been transforming Mm -hmm. with this therapist. I've had horrible experience with black therapists. Um, I think it depends on what we're talking about. Right. Um. And if I need you to be relatable about this, Mm. I may not need that. Mm. I may just need trauma help or, you know. And that has no color. It has no no color. Like my, my, my trauma specialist, she is a woman of color. But she's not black American. Mm -hmm. We have two different. We can't talk about culture. Not really. She has absolutely no understanding of what I'm going to be talking about, except for how the complexion of us, right? Mm-hmm. But she's amazing. Now, if she was white, I would still go to her. If she still, if we did, you know, um, touch that or tap, I would still go to her and mm-hmm. do those things with her. So it just depends 
I personally would like for us to find the appropriate professional help mm-hmm. and whatever that looks like. Right, right. Because sometimes people are so caught up in finding a, a professional of color that they don't actually get the help, help that they need. Right. 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 Because it's it's challenging to find a professional of color and good. Right. Right. Effective. Right. Right. Effective. And like, you know, so yeah. my therapist, she was a Latina. Right. And we connected well. And it was it was a good vibe. I felt like she was able to understand the things that I was going through. Um, and there were only certain things that she really needed to validate to say, like, I understand. It was more or less like, OK, that's normal. Right. Right. Not normal for you because you're, you know, black. Right. It's just it's normal, whatever it is that you're going through. Yeah. Right. And it is also good to hear different perspectives as well. Sometimes Correct. I had an, I had a therapist before. She was an old white woman. I don't know how old she is. Maybe like 60, I think. Mm. She was old. But she gave me some little bit of nuggets. Now, she couldn't talk about modern day stuff. Right. right. And that had nothing to do with her her race, right? That was more or less her age, right? Her age. But it was all, you know, it was all good. So it just depends on what, what you're trying to what you're trying to do with it. But I think the biggest thing that I think we can end with is what you said is anybody who would take a mental health first aid class is saying, I love you. And that can be, I love you to people in your lives mm-hmm. or I love you to yourself. yourself right. You may even go into a mental health first aid class thinking, hey, I got some friends that I really want to support better or, you know, I work in a system and I want to be able to identify that better, though that's not my main role. But then... And through that, you get it for yourself. And you'll hear, like you said, sometimes you've had participants in your class who are there for other people and learn that they themselves are experiencing some of those patterns that we talk about. So not even just those indicators, but the patterns is really what's very telling. It's not that, oh, you slept late for two nights, right? Right. But if you seem to do that for a month. Right. Yeah, two weeks or more. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can recognize that in myself at times when if I call out of work or I'm not feeling motivated, I know that I'm struggling. Yeah. Right. And then I don't I'm not creative. I'm not as patient. I might even ask somebody to watch my kid for me because I really just don't even want to be bothered. I'd rather be right in that isolation, knowing that isolation is not my good place. Right. Because I feed off of other people and their energy. And so, in fact, when I'm at my worst inside, it's really important for me to access the people who pull out my best mm-hmm. on the outside. Yeah. Because then that takes me out of there. If they can. If they can. If they can get to you at that time, right? So it's like. If I allow them to allow get to, to me. Because them. that's the mm-hmm. thing. I feel like there's something really strong about the energies, right? right? And it's funny how sometimes you can go through something and God will send you the right person the right phone call, the right text, Mm -hmm. the right check-in, the right hug. You know, it could be from a stranger and you bump into them in the store and you just start getting to chatting and you, you need a hug. Mm -hmm. That woman or that person doesn't know that, but you end up getting that hug, Mm -hmm. right? right? Because the universe knows that God knows that. Right. So again, it goes back to, I love you. Right. And that the universe and God loves us too. And so when there are different, um, signs that are put before us we need to allow those things to align right and be aware and be connected to that love that we need to have for ourselves and for other people and i think with you know you said something interesting about the signs and i think you know in terms of how the universe like conspires to to help you right Mm -hmm. and i think sometimes though 
the signs may not be what you expect them to be, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's that there's that whole that that joke where like there's a a flood and the man is standing on the roof of his mm-hmm. house and you know somebody comes by with a boat and says, "Oh, hey, hey, man, come on, like come on, I, I can take you to safety." He's like, "Oh no, God's got me. I'm good." And so he's he's still on there. And then somebody comes by with like a helicopter and, <laughs> and, and, you know, like, okay, okay, man, I can, I can save you. Oh, you know, come climb up the rope. Oh no, I'm good. Like God's got me. Um, and then like, there's a third person. I don't even remember like what he comes o- over with. Maybe it's an airplane or something, but then the waters rise and the man dies. And so he gets up to heaven and he's like, yo, God, what? yeah, what's up? Like what happened? I thought I thought you I had thought me. We were homies. Yeah, I thought we were cool. And God is like, yeah. Well, I sent you a boat. I sent a helicopter and an airplane. Right. I did. I I sent you signs. Like so, you need to like. <laughs> I guess, you know, that's a really like extreme example. No, but-, but no, but that's so real, right? <laughs> that those signs can be there, but it's not packaged the way. But that you we would imagine. think you right. would think that that's. But you would think that. And that's, I think, the biggest challenge mm-hmm. with a mental health illness because people who are not unwell would say that. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, you just got your signs. What are you doing? Right. And it's just mm-hmm. like that is part of the illness mm-hmm. that we do not. That's where the patience and the compassion and empathy comes empathy, in yeah. because it's truly part of the illness. I am not. I may not see those signs. I may not want those signs. I may not want this energy. Mm-hmm. That's just a part of the illness. And it's hard, though, to grasp, but it's real for some people. It's real for some people. I'm over here and I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, right? I see, like, I see I'm, your I'm, wheels I'm, I'm turning. Processing. It's challenging. Because, no, I understand that, that the lens of one who has a mental health illness or challenge it's different than the lens of someone who does not. And so we see things differently, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I think even a variety of people who have a variety of mental health challenges also see things right. differently. Um, and I guess that's where community comes in. That's where support comes in. Because if you want to get well, right, um, or be able to manage in your illness, because sometimes there's no like coming out of it, right? You're pretty much managing it. Is that true? Do you come out of mental health? Like if I have bipolar, am I cured of being bipolar? Or is that something that I'm learning how to manage through medication or through, you know, consistency or an outpatient program or, you know, yoga or whatever? Am I managing it? Or is there a point of you don't have this anymore. I don't have bipolar anymore, right? right? You don't you don't deal with it anymore. Well, there's always so I understand what you're saying. I just when you say mental health, I think of depression, anxiety, and some of those things can go you may not experience right. anymore. But on the more serious mental health challenges, you may constantly be in a process of recovery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think all of it is a a, a process of recovery. I mm-hmm. think we're all recovering from, from birth. Yeah. I feel right. like from birth, right? Yeah. That you're just recovering from all of that, from mm-hmm. your encounters with people that you've yeah. met along your path and you've learned 
different beliefs. You've learned different languages. You've learned how to show up in different situations through that. And you're recovering from that and trying to find new ways to show up, a new way to engage, a new way to see yourself and see the world around you. I feel like we're in that constant. Every single person is in a recovery in that way. Yeah. I just don't feel like you may feel because I... I feel like I'm at a disadvantage. And I'm saying I, as somebody that may struggle with mental health, I feel like I'm at a disadvantage. So it's how do we show up as a community? Right. Continue to show up. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Like, just continue to, I love you. I'm going to continue to show up. I'm going to cook for you if you need food. Right. Right. If you can't cook. So I guess that's where my, what I'm, 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 struggling with i guess is something what you said there's like okay if, if you need food or or i think you need food maybe i need to call you and say hey do you need food rather than me just showing up and bring you a plate of food because you want to be in your space and you didn't ask for it right so it's like well you would have asked if you would have done the wellness plan in the beginning so mm, you would have said that's the wrap yeah you would have said hey what does it look like when you're becoming unwell and what do you want me to do got it so then basically this is it we need to practice the I love you. Yes. Sign up for a mental health first aid class. Yes. Right. So you need to. What's the what's the resource? What's the website? So you can go to Thrive New York. They offer it every single day out in Queens. OK. Um, what if I'm always, not in New York and I'm listening all the way in Australia? Then you would want to Google mental health first aid classes. Got They're it. all over the place all the time. Got it. OK. So we're getting to the I love you. Take the class. Yes. But then also go to this wrap, which is this wellness plan. Right. Yes. So that's, that's if you're really trying to walk with somebody. Don't do it if you're not trying to walk with somebody. Right. Mm-hmm. Don't and be what out I mean there fronting. Don't right. do it. Like, just don't sign up for it. So that's what, when you are committed to a person. If this is someone that's your loved one, your best friend, you're right. like, hey, I can do this. Check yourself. Can I do this? Mm-hmm. Yes, I can do this. Then let's come up with this plan together Got and it. have other supporters to help too. So the plan is in partnership with the person. Yes. Got it. Okay. Yeah. And so that's why you need to be sure because also someone who's struggling can't have these kind of make up, break up things, right? That every time, oh, we got a plan. Now you're not with me because that's just going to put me back anyway. Yeah, that's right? unfair. That's going to be an mm-hmm. injury. Okay. All right. Awesome. So, Crystal, was so dope to have you on here. Thank you. We can't wait to have you come back again. Thank you. And, um, yeah, so we'll hit you up so you can come on back and bless us. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Crystal. Thanks. So thanks again to you, Crystal. And for the folks listening, if you'd like to hire Crystal to teach a mental health first aid class for your organization, business, or community, connect with her on Instagram. At I-A-M-C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-R-E-N-E on Instagram. That's I am Crystal Renee. Now it's our favorite time. It's tea time. Tea time. Clink, clink. So we unloaded and discussed a lot about mental health, mental health awareness, um, how to better identify it in yourself as in, as well as others, excuse me. And so we have boiled this episode down into three tips, um, that spell out the acronym T. So I will kick things off with the T. T for today's episode is for team. Identify those who can support you through a mental health challenge and those who can partner with you to create 
and execute a wellness plan. E is for educate. You have to stay educated. You want to be supportive of people. Educate yourself. Hire Crystal. Take one of her classes. Take one online. Do what you can do to really make sure that you have the information that you need to support yourself and others. And the A is for acknowledge. Acknowledge where you are and what you can do. And really understand the difference between joining someone's mental health journey or just supporting it. Thank you guys for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please feel free to connect and follow us on Instagram at N-E-C-E-S-S-I underscore T-E-A underscore podcast on Instagram. And don't forget to subscribe so you'll be notified of upcoming episodes of Necessity. Thanks. 